0: You've just tuned in to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery, and this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. On today's show, I'm honored to welcome in survivor, author, poet, and artist, Venny Kosius. Venny is the author of Cult Child, her first-person account of surviving physical, mental, and sexual abuse inside the isolated commune of an ultra-fundamentalist religious cult. Her book, artwork, and poetry all send a message of not only survival, but of resilience and hope. During this chat with Venny, we are discussing how trauma is manifested in childhood, and specifically in the areas of food. We discuss our own struggles with dieting, self-shame, emotional eating, and so much more. So let's jump right into my chat with friend and incredible advocate, Venny Kosius. So hey, Venny, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, my friend? It's always great to have you
1: here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I just always appreciate the opportunity to have a voice. Thank you.
0: It is indeed an honor to have you here on Beyond Your Past, and the things that we're going to talk about today are the way that trauma manifests itself in our adult lives and ways such as eating disorders and self-care and all kinds of areas that we all struggle with as survivors, um, you know, even well after the um, abuse has ended. This is not a healing journey that ends um, anytime soon, and there's a lot of... uh, struggles along the way and obstacles that we still have to overcome well after the fact. So we're going to talk about that and hopefully give everyone who's listening some validation and encouragement that they are not alone and maybe some tips and strategies to help them on their journey as well. Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, something I was thinking about today uh, for myself, weight has been very, very prevalent in my life as a manifestation of my abuse In my teenage years, I was very thin, but I always thought I was heavy because I lived with a mother who was weight obsessed as well. And that was created by living on a cult where food was prevalent in my life in different ways. Uh, It was either rationed. So for instance, when I lived uh, in the cult in Alaska, there was a time In the beginning where you could not have snacks or anything, quote unquote, special in the cabin, uh, you only ate at meals. Um, Punishment came along with that. If you misbehaved in some way, um, your meal would be taken from you. Parents do this now in everyday homes. And I think it's it's a form of emotional abuse. I don't think that the parents always understand that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that parents that do this are abusers by any means uh, in my case it was an extreme thing where your m- meal was withheld from you and you were made to sit at the table with your hands folded so here comes public humiliation along with it because everybody knows that you messed up um, I also was groomed by a sexual abuser with sweets um So there's all of these facets of um, abuse for me personally with weight that has had me struggle with weight uh, all of my life. And I had to dig into that. Uh, I yo-yo dieted and yo-yo dieted up and down and oh, I'm going to try the paleo diet and this diet and that diet. But what I really needed to do was try the looking at my abuse diet and that's what really got me into a lifestyle change.
0: Yeah. I love it. And, um, from one survivor to another, I have struggled with food all my life. I was Mm -hmm. very, very overweight. Um, I guess it would started probably like late elementary school, um, all through middle school. And then it wasn't until junior year, um, when I actually, I mean, I did like the worst thing that you can do when you're losing weight, but I was 16 and I was determined to lose Mm -hmm. weight. So I spent the entire summer from sophomore to junior year and ate almost nothing. Like I starved myself to death, Mm -hmm. but I was down. Like I lost like four or five pan sizes and like, I thought I was like the awesomest thing ever. So it wasn't the healthy thing to do, but I mean, I struggled with my weight and it's Mm -hmm. been like an ongoing struggle uh, most of my life. Um, And you know, like, like you, I've tried every diet. Um, I still struggle a lot with like my weakness is is uh, salty snacks. Like, oh my god, pretzels and chips and crackers. Like, are you kidding me? Oh my god! Mm-hmm. So I have to really, really be careful. I mean, like you, I have really started to embrace the lifestyle change and things yeah. in moderation. Um, and you know, obviously not starving myself or not withholding mm-hmm. um treats and you know pleasures in, in the food area from time to time. But just finding a moderate way to enjoy it and not go, um, you know, and sit down and like down a bag of chips while I'm watching television one night. Because I can still easily do that if I'm not careful. Right. So I mean, it's something I've struggled with, I feel, for everyone who struggles with it because I know firsthand what it's like to be bullied and made fun of because of that to try the diets and then they work for a while and then they stop working or you can't afford them anymore or whatever the case is. And and then you're right back or worse, you know, at a higher weight than where you were. And that is just, that induces so much shame. And as if we didn't have enough shame already being survivors, now we're shaming ourselves because we're putting on weight, then we're losing it. Then we're not eating right. Then we are. And we're up and down, as you said, with the whole yo-yo type of thing. And uh, I just, it's a, it's a huge struggle that, uh, you know like there 's just so much on our plates when we 're trying to recover, and trying to deal with the whole food aspect of it is it can be very very um very very troubling uh a huge anxiety rush, and just it 's such a uh a difficult thing for so many people and I am right there with everybody,
1: yes, and you know i've even um spoken with people who are on like the other side of it where they they don 't want to eat because they grew up being told don't ever be that don't ever get fat uh you know that's disgusting uh or they were told they were fat when they were not fat so a lot of emphasis was put onto the child's weight and what did their body look like uh you know whether it was in a sexual molestation situation or even just an environment um the environment of creating a a semblance around a child um, that the the way that their body looks is going to determine um, how society perceives them while there's truth to that if we are going to break that then we can't allow our children to be raised in that mindset so it's everywhere around them when it comes to their body, but even telling children, you know, don't get fat or you're getting fat um, or you're too skinny. You need to eat. You're too skinny. Like, why are you so skinny? You know, why can you eat, and eat, and eat, and never, never get it? You see, it's putting a negativity around food and their body. There shouldn't even be comments made um, unless, of course, a child is ill or something about um, I'm not a fan of making a child sit at a dinner table and eat everything on their plate. Um, I fed my kids a little bit, and then if they wanted seconds, they got seconds, right? So I started smaller instead of starting bigger and forcing the child to sit there. So um, that's an emotional side of food. Um, And then what do we do in those moments when I'm like, man, I really had a crap day? And you know what? A piece of German chocolate cake sounds so good. Yeah, it (laughs) does. (laughs) Right? And I, so in that moment, I have a choice. I can go get that cake or I can not. Um, And what I've learned to do and one little thing that helps me is to go, okay, what am I soothing right now? Well, I'm soothing my crap day. And how did I soothe my crap days when I was a little girl? I soothe them with food or I was punished with, you know, not having food, but more than likely I'm trying to find food. Um, and that helps me not make that choice, but to instead go, you know what, maybe this is a good time to go take a little bit of a nature walk um, to go, you know, go, go to the park um, into the trees. And another thing I don't do is bring it in my house. I, know that I have a food addiction I don't look at it any different than an alcoholic or a drug addict or any other addiction that exists so alcoholics if they're trying to stay clean they don't bring alcohol into their home and so I do live that way as well I don't bring it into the house because I won't eat just one cookie or two cookies I'll eat the whole pack you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I do follow that for myself. Um, setting boundaries uh, for myself. It's easier for me. I live alone. It's much harder, I'm sure, for people who, you know, cohabitate. And you have one person who needs to have this this boundary with food and another person who doesn't need to have it. And that would be where compromise and support, I think, comes in.
0: I can see myself doing so many of the things that you had mentioned. I mean, I remember being being sat down at a table when I was a kid and finish everything on your plate. And Mm -hmm. I mean, to this day, there are some foods that I absolutely cannot stand because I was made to eat them when I was a kid. And, you know, I mean, I get it. There's a, there's a line of, you know, of, of, you know, trying to feed your kids healthy foods and, you know, Mm -hmm. get them to try and have an open mind in regards to vegetables or fruits and that kind of thing. So, but I, I, you just have to be so careful about how far you push it because, Um, And, you know, I'm certainly not telling anybody how to parent or anything like that. It's just, um, you know, for those who are, you know, who who struggle with food, when we are parenting our kids, especially when they're younger and we're trying to get them to develop a healthy relationship and a respect for food and to be open minded and try all the healthy things and all that, um, you know, just be aware of the struggles that you went through and how that affected you and. I think it's just, it's, it's a good reminder because I've parented my, my kids when they were younger, you know, a bit differently than I was when I was growing up in the areas of food because of things that happened to me and I feel good about it. And, you know, and I certainly don't blame my parents for all, all the food issues, you know, issues that I have. I mean, that's, you know, a lot of that stems from abuse that happened from the teenager up the street when I was five to 10, but, you know, struggling with, with, with going to the mirror and just looking at yourself and you know, having to constantly buy different size clothes or, you know, hating to go shopping, like all that stuff is things I struggled with my whole life. And, um, you know, as we're talking about here, just really resisting temptation or finding alternate ways to to go about eating things that maybe aren't necessarily the healthiest things in the world is really, is has been such a key for me. And I can remember so many times, Venny, when people would say, well, you know, yes, you could have that extra chocolate chip cookie or that piece of chocolate peanut butter cake, which, oh my God, is so good. But then they would say, well, you know, how about eat some fruit or or go for a walk? And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm telling you, like, it was so many times when I would be like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like, I want some cake or I want a cookie. And, and, you know, the hell with your walk. (laughs) But I'm telling you, as I've gotten older... And I practice <clears throat> mindfulness. Mindfulness has helped me in so many ways. You know, so if I do have a temptation of eating, you know, a whole lot of something or I I do oftentimes try and distract you doing something else, which does now involve going outside and doing something differently. But the key is to be mindful and fully present when you're doing it, not sitting there, you know, working on an art project or doing some drawing or or coloring and thinking the whole time, my God, I want some cake. My God, I want some cake. Oh my God, give me a cookie. But it's it, it's mindfulness of focusing on the 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 task that you're doing that you're trying to distract from, you know, the sweets or the you know the salty snacks or whatever. So one of the keys I found is being fully immersed in what I'm doing, and that has helped me quite a bit to kind of get the, out of that mindset of wanting that extra piece of chocolate cake.
1: Yeah, it's like um, it's a, a process of for me, it was a process of deprogramming my mind.
0: <clears throat>
1: so I was programmed in this way to look at my body and have body dysphoria. And I can pick apart a picture of myself in a million ways. And a million people can tell me, are you kidding me? That's a beautiful picture of you. And I will go, no, look at my chin. Look at this. Look at that. Right? Um, so... I began to understand that my body is like my car. It carries my spirit, my soul, however one wants to define it. And so would I throw sugar in my in my car tank? No, that's going to shut my car down and cost me lots and lots of money. So that helps me too is, to deprogram my mind in a way to understand that my body is a vessel that deserves care in the same way that I would care for my home. I would care for my car. I would care for something that is a necessity to me, such as my body. I mean, I need it to live. And so it, it it is a choice of a thought process. And I love that you brought up mindfulness. Absolutely. Uh, that is that mindfulness of, of, of stopping and pausing, you know, cause maybe you can't go take a walk in that moment. Like you might not be in the situation to do that, but you always are in the situation. We are to pause and think about what's going through our mind in that moment or what in our environment has triggered us to want to eat or comfort or not eat and, 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 um, deny. Um, and that is, looking at my body, and I say, okay, you know, your body doesn't deserve to suffer. You're not that little girl anymore. Your body deserves your love. Now, you get to love yourself, and nobody gets to take that from me anymore. I get to choose that, and I am not perfect by any means. I'm still on that journey. I've come a long, long way. I was, you know, over 300 pounds, a size 24 I didn't have any photos of me, maybe a few that, you know, I've hidden. <laughs> but uh you know, that's when the upshot was like, "Yay." <laughs> um yeah. but um <clears throat> yes, it is getting to that place of realizing that we own our bodies. They are ours and they're not our abusers anymore. And so we get to choose to love them. And that's a very empowering place. To be to get to choose to love
0: ourselves. Yeah, it's a huge part. And one of the things really that I've had to to embrace on this journey, too, since we're kind of talking about, um, you know, food here is and and uh, loving our bodies and, and taking care of them is I've had to resist the urge. And not just in this area, but in all areas of comparing myself to somebody else. I mean, my yeah. God, I mean, I think that's one of the one of the single biggest issues that I've had my entire life in terms of, you know, um, trying to find a healthy relationship with food and, um, exercise and things of that nature and taking care of myself is stop looking at everybody else because you can go anywhere online or any store, no matter where you live. And you can see so many people who look a hundred times better than you, no matter what they are, because that's how we perceive it. And it's just trying, trying to compare yourself to anybody is never going to work. You're living up to an impossible standard because everybody's different and trying to make yourself be like somebody else. It's just, it's such a debilitating shaming way to live. And believe me, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. And I've done it most of my life. And I'm just now learning that, you know what? I may never have a prototypical magazine cover body and i'm okay with that right now like i'm okay with, with with where i'm headed i'm on a right track um you know i understand that it's not going to be easy and that i'm and that i'm going to stumble but i'm going to get back up and keep going but i have got to stop looking uh-huh. at other people and trying to make myself out to be close to what they are like it's it's never going to be a satisfying experience no matter how much weight i lose or how much weight i gain or whatever the case is
1: Absolutely, because the body dysphoria still exists. So uh, I can go back to being, you know, post cult, being a teenager, and I weighed maybe 125 pounds at five, eight and a half. That's quite skinny for that height. And I have a poem that I wrote, and one of the lines talks about looking in the mirror at my stomach and feeling fat, even though my stomach was concave, literally not just flat, but going in, that's how thin I was. Uh, And I look back now and think, gosh, I would love, you know, for my body, of course, to look like that. But um, it's an illusion, and our worth is definitely not defined by how we look. Uh, Health is is an interesting thing, and and I think that people – um, can look at science and, and see that there's, you know, I'm a healthy person. I'm a big girl. I'm, I'm five, five, nine. Um, I wear a size 16. Um, and I've never had high blood pressure. I've never had health problems. I jog, (laughs) you know, I'm an active person. So I don't think that thinness should be a goal. Health should be our goal. Because there's many people who are curvy, like you say, have different body types and we're healthy, very, very healthy. And that also switched for me as well, that instead of focusing on, I want to look like that, I focused on, this is how I want to feel. I don't want to wake up in the morning with full-blown fibromyalgia because I'm so heavy and I'm eating so horribly and everything in me aches. I want to get up in the morning and feel good and and bright and alive. And it's okay to have a salad for breakfast. Oh, my gosh. Nobody ever told me that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like,
0: Mm -hmm. um, I had to
1: flip my whole mindset that this is my body and I get to feed it how I want to. I get to treat it how I want to. And taking that power was big for me because now when I don't treat it well, I have to take responsibility for that. I have to say, okay, I made that choice to have that or eat that or do that. And okay, the tomorrow's a new day to try again. Um, and I think that's what it is that put for me is that I, I stopped focusing so much on looks and more on how did I feel um, physically. And as I dropped that weight, As I ate clean and I eat tons of salad and raw vegetables, I feel good. I have more energy, my body and my joints don't ache. And that is most important to me.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I just, I love the way that you're talking about this because, you know, it's so easy to just look at ourselves and say, well, some chart and some, and some doctor's office says I, if I am five foot four, I need to weigh this amount. And if I don't, then, oh my God, I'm too big. Or whatever. And like, I hate those those frickin charts in in an office where it says, like, I'm I'm five foot seven. And I think it has me weighing some like ridiculously low amount that I haven't been since I was probably I I don't even know when. So (laughs) I know that, like, I mean, even right now, now I dropped a lot of weight when I was in the hospital in January of earlier this year of 2018. When I was in there for, you know, the uh, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome, I dropped about 20 Mm -hmm. pounds in in, uh, like a week and a half. And so I actually used that to my advantage. Now I I wasn't trying to lose weight then, but based on the circumstances I was in and not being able to eat and whatnot, um, I used that to my advantage.
1: Life-threatening, life-threatening. Oh my god! Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: it was, and that really forced me to to look at myself in a lot of different ways. Um, And Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes having a health scare like that can you know puts a lot of things in the perspective and since I went into the hospital and I had my bit of a reality check, I'm like, you know what, I'm 46 now. I have got to find a way to get this under control in a good, healthy, sustainable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy a chocolate chip cookie because my God, I do, or like a Hershey's kiss, mm-hmm. but I've learned that, you know, and I, I am still learning. And, you know, one of the things you said was, if I have a bit of an off day where, you know, maybe I eat a little bit of something I shouldn't, I can go back tomorrow and start again. You know, it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world. And that, yeah, that was, that was huge for me. I mean, I, I watch what I eat and some days I do go a little bit over what I would normally, you know, am, am comfortable. And the next morning I feel, it. and I'm like, you know what, I got to be careful. And so then the next day I say, you know what, today's a new day. Yesterday happened. I can't change it. Radical acceptance. Here I come. Let me, let me start again. So.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of little things when you talk about, like, um, that someone can do that can help them. Like, for instance, um, use smaller plates. Have smaller plates in your house and don't have big plates. It's like a visual reminder um, to, um, you know, eat a little bit of a less portion. And to also, I think that when you look at it as a diet, it becomes a lot of times very overwhelming and you're like, oh, my God, I got a meal plan. For me, that is the worst. I will not succeed at that. Things need to be very simple for me. So when I realize that, oh, okay, so basically I can eat salads and vegetables and have a little bit of chicken here and there if I want, um, and that's okay, and it's that simple Uh, It was like a light bulb switched on, so I stopped looking at diets. Um, Like, for instance, I would not do Slim Fast. I'm not saying don't do Slim Fast (laughs) uh, for liability's sake, but but, but I, I personally would probably not be successful on a program like that because once it ends, then what? Right for me. Um, So for me, it's best to look at my life like, okay, I can go, and it's very cheap, buy vegetables and salads for the week. Um, Sometimes I have dressing. I'm learning not to have as much dressing. Your taste buds change. You have to give your body a chance to readjust, right, to going from eating these processed foods and things to eating more healthy. And it's not as complicated as it's made out to be. When we look at magazines and we look at how our bodies are portrayed back to us, reflected back to us, it becomes very, very overwhelming. A million diets, a million books to buy, juicers and this and that, and you're just in a spin, especially for a trauma survivor who's already probably in a little bit of a spin. And so I just took it simple, like so simple like vegan and some protein simple. And that's what works best for me. Um, So I think that we have to really more learn our body. And what makes my body happy? What makes my body feel the best? Whatever that may be. For some people, who it may be meat and potatoes. Do you know what I mean? But instead of looking at a diet or somebody's scale to instead go within – um, and maybe a nutritionist would, might be a good thing, but to go within. And I really believe that your body, tell- my body has spoken to me and told me, you know, I feel good when I eat salads and I eat lighter. Hmm. I feel horrible when I eat this. Mm-hmm. I feel, and, and you you, you know, your body will tell you. And if you're listening, you just eat the way your body needs to eat. And just wanted to say this. I think that's a big mistake in our society that has been fed to us, that's a bunch of bull, is that all of us should eat the same. How can that even be possible when we each have unique DNA, genomes, and makeup? How how can that be possible? So instead, you already know because of how you feel. And again, back to your uh, mention of mindfulness, of being body aware of how something makes you feel after
0: you eat it. Yeah, you are so right. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, when I do um sometimes get some fast food and you know, depending on what it is, man, like within a half an hour of eating it, I feel like just crap. I mean, I feel sluggish. I feel tired. I feel nauseous. And, you know, I mean it's not that I don't enjoy getting a chicken sandwich or a burger now and then. And sometimes I just do it because I I like it. But I don't feel nearly as good As when I do, when I, when I eat something, you know, healthy, um, like I love, I love eating salads. I eat them probably at least four or five times a week because I enjoy them. They're easy. They're simple. I can make them ahead of time, but it's, I, you're right. I think it's just this mindset of learning that what you eat and how you feel can go, can really go a long way to developing a plan that works for you. And like you, I mean, I can't do the prepackaged meals. I can't do Mm -hmm. really the shakes on a regular basis um, because if they do work and let's say they work and I've lost all this weight and I feel great, then I'm off of them. Well, now what do I do? Like I'm stuck buying these shakes or these or these meals forever. And I know Mm -hmm. me, I'm going to go back to the old mat as soon as I'm off of that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's better for me to figure out some kind of a balance and foods that I can eat that that make me feel good and fill me up. And that I can sleep good at night and wake up ready to go rather than feeling nauseous and you know, sick and tired and everything else. So you're right. It's not about the diet necessarily, at least for me, and it sounds like for you and probably some others too. It's about finding foods that we like that are healthy and you know, taking the other stuff in moderation because we don't want to stop completely giving ourselves the treat of that piece of cake now and then Mm -hmm. or getting that burger if you want it or whatever, because I mean, you mean you're an adult. if you want to have some, have some. It's just learning how to do it in a healthy way that doesn't induce skill, you know, going kind of overboard and then feeling shame afterwards.
1: Yeah, you know. Um, this was a very eye-opening um, practice to do so, and I did this. I decided that I was going to chart how many times did I think about food in a day? And oh so God. every time I thought about food, I drew a line on the paper. So you know how you can go one, two, three, four lines mm-hmm. and then five. I, I was mind blown. Now, it was an interesting task because, of course, knowing that I was charting, it made me think of food more. Right. Mm-hmm. But then eventually it kind of came a little less and I realized it was becoming a little bit more of a realistic pattern that wow, like I literally was thinking about food so many times throughout the day. And I, and I had to beat that program. I had to look at food in a different way. Um, food is, is, is a fuel now for me. It's not always something that's just eaten for pleasure, right? Um, it made up a big part of my life where it was used to food and eat for pleasure mm-hmm. and things like that, where now I look at it more like, okay, here's some fuel for my car. Um, and so because of that, I don't think about food as much. Um, I literally was like thinking, well, what am I going to have for lunch? And, and what am I going to have for dinner? And, oh, I could stop by here. And, you know, um, I think that's why it's important, like, for trauma um, sufferers who, you know, work like nine-to-five jobs and things like that to throw things in in their car or their purse or backpack or whatever to kind of graze on, like, some nuts or a couple hard-boiled eggs or something like that so that you're not impulse eating when your shift is over or your day is over realized holy crap i haven't eaten in like six hours you know Mm -hmm. let me Mm -hmm. run through um this fast food joint um that's very helpful and and maybe eating a little bit of that before you know the end of your shift like on your last break or or something like that um another thing i try not to do is eat too late at night night eating is is a big battle for me me too Um, um, cause that's the times when I'm writing and I tend to more want to snack. And, um, um, so I tr- really try not to eat after six or 7 PM. So there's these little tiny boundaries that aren't too strict. And I think for every sweet that's not good for you. There's an alternative. Um, for instance, I found a cool, like easy recipe. If somebody likes coconut, um, I'm a no-carb eater uh, because I have found um, when I go clean and I'm I'm doing really good and I've been very consistent, when I do allow myself to have that carb, a switch goes off and I begin to crave it. And so what I've learned to do is try to find a no-carb substitute for whatever that is that I love. So I love coconut. So I found these little coconut cookies that are literally like maybe about three or four carbs a piece and you get a package of three. And so I can have that and have that sweet and it's underneath my limit for the day. Um, You can find stuff like that online, little recipes and it's very simple. It's like three ingredients, you know, that you throw together. Um, So finding that, that substitute so that you don't feel like you're punishing yourself. It shouldn't be a punishment. It should be a joy That, wow, for me, it's like, wow, I finally get to take care of me. I've lived a life of being abused and being uh, taken advantage of and used in all these different ways. And now, guess what? I get to say, "Uh uh-uh, and I get to love me. And that has been one of the biggest keys is, like, that's an empowering thing for me. I get to make that choice, and nobody gets to take it from me now.
0: Yeah. And so I love what you're saying about using um, small, you know, little things to give ourselves a treat alternatives and in, in the ways of kind of satisfying the sweet tooth and, and ways that we don't shame ourselves for, because you're right. Like when you sit down and you have something sweet and I mean, I, I can tell you like, there is nothing better when I have this like gigantic sweet tooth craving and I'm like, Oh my God, I've got to have something sweet. And then when you give yourself that, that kind of reward or whatever like it shouldn't be something where you are shaming yourself for it right like you should be able to enjoy those coconut cookies or enjoy that that small slice of cake or enjoy whatever that is because what's the point of satisfying that craving and giving yourself a reward and then you know um shaming yourself for it i mean like we've been saying as survivors we shame ourselves for everything under the sun probably on like a daily basis, no matter how long we've been at this whole survivor thing, we still, uh, so many of us struggle with shame in so many areas of our bodies and, you know, our our careers and our families and our personality and you name it. So, you know, in regards to food, um, you know, like you said, finding things online, um, recipes or buying um, healthier sweets to really just kind of give yourself that pleasure, but not make it such a guilt trip after you do it because you're like, this is the best feeling ever. I sitting down and, you know, munching on that, that homemade cookie or whatever. But then two minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God, why did I do that? I did mm-hmm. it again. And so it's, it's a vicious cycle of shame that really um, until we can kind of get a handle on it and find healthy alternatives and different ways to, to give ourselves a bit of a reward now and then. Like once we get to that point, it's life changing. But until we do, we continue to struggle. At least I know I do.
1: Yeah, I really connected it, um, and, and I I had this conversation. I have a really amazing therapist and I and so um I compare it a bit to like parenting. I can, oh, you know, spank my kid a little bit or I can find an alternative way that will help them understand how to better work through that moment. So I don't necessarily like the phrase of, oh, well, you should give yourself a little bit. It's kind of like, well, I only hit my kid a little bit. So this is my body. It needs to be healthy. And, oh, I only sometimes abuse it a little bit. And so when I look at it like that for me, and, again, I want to really reiterate that this is my mindset that I use and these methods I use for myself, that um, I am, in essence. The parent of my own body. And so it's up to me to find alternatives um, for the things that are abusive toward my body, which is unhealthy foods. And absolutely, that is a congratulatory moment of saying, Good for you, Benny. You did it, you didn't go through that drive through. You didn't go pick up that rocky road ice cream. You picked a, and that is a moment that should be celebrated, and and it should be celebrated big. And people should do good things for themselves when they make those choices. And then pretty soon, it just becomes the way you live. Um, but in the beginning, like make a bit, like like if you were working with a child and you are working on their behavior, Um, you're really going to want to celebrate, right, these times that they do these amazing things, right, but Mm -hmm. not be damning of them if they happen to make a mistake, right, and slip into behaviors that you're working away from. And I think we have to treat ourselves the same exact way, really just make a big deal and congratulate ourselves if we're alone in a room just like, woo, you know, whoop it up and holler out that yes, I did it. And and we deserve it. We deserve the congratulations and the praise and we can give ourselves that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And something that you mentioned about um reparenting ourselves and, and the way we look at food like that is gigantic and I mean, as a survivor, we have to reparent ourselves in so many ways, not just in the areas of food, but, you know, Absolutely. self-esteem and self-care and and the way that we, um, you know, um, look at ourselves and interact with others and all, all these different types of things. And being able to understand that, you know, if you're a survivor, you, you know, it's very possible that you grew up in a situation where there wasn't perhaps healthy role models or, you know, healthy parenting skills for any number of various reasons. So finding ways to reparent yourself and to, and to, you know, with, with food, because we're talking about that celebrating every one of those wins. I mean, that's just like in any part of recovery, anytime you get a win, my God celebrate it because there's so mm-hmm. many areas of life that are struggles. And if you can find a way to do a little happy dance, because you made a healthy choice mm-hmm. in regards to food or whatever it is, I mean, that's just amazing. And it's like I share with clients and I write about all the time and I talk about all the time. Trauma is cumulative. It builds on itself. You know, it's Mm -hmm. for, for those who have been through a traumatic experience, you know, multiple times growing up um, it's cumulative. It just builds up and builds up and builds up, but healing and healthy choices and reparenting and um, those types of things build up too. And they snowball in a good way. And you start to celebrate mm-hmm. those wins and you're like, yes, you know, suddenly you find yourself having one win a day and then maybe the next day or, you know, the next week you start to have two wins and then three wins. And you start to, when you start to see and celebrate every little win, you find that there's a lot more of them that maybe you realized.
1: That is so true. That is so true. And we deserve it. And we deserve to be able to be patient with ourselves. Um we didn't get formed through our trauma overnight. It was a slow process, many of us from birth uh, through years. And so I would just encourage people to not put unrealistic expectations on themselves. Uh, don't get overwhelmed with the bigger picture, say, if you have a lot of weight to lose, Uh Congratulate yourself in those little moments and be patient with yourself and, yeah, uh, end the comparison game. And when someone asks you who your hero is, tell them you are your own hero. Uh, that, that, instead of following and looking at others and trying to be that, we have to come back to being us because we are all individuals, So I don't model my image or myself or who I want to be or how I want to look after anyone else. I want to be uniquely me. And so that's important for survivors to remember is that they get to reform either what was taken from them as a child or that they never got to form as a child. And that's exciting. And that can be whatever makes them the most joyful is always right. That
0: is an incredible way to wrap up this podcast. I could not agree more. I think everything we've talked about has just uh, validated and encouraged me a lot on my ongoing journey, the mm-hmm. struggles that I have, and I just I appreciate you all the work that you do. I know everybody who follows you online and um, reads your poetry and takes in your artwork mm-hmm. and reads your book and reads your blog, like the work that you're doing, the message that you have. I just, I love it. I it's, it's so unbelievably needed. And I'm, I'm grateful that you and I met online so long ago yeah. and that we have developed this friendship and, you know, me coming on your show and you I think uh, starting yeah. to be a regular guest here um, because we have so many things to talk about. And I think it was great to start off our um, regular time together here by talking about something that you and I can both relate to. And mm-hmm. that is the struggles with food. So Venny, you are amazing. I'm so glad oh, you're here. Please let you. us know where everybody can find your book and your artwork and your poetry and all your amazing stuff.
1: Just the best place to find me is just at my website. And that's dot com. And then it's a hub for everywhere else. And I do encourage people, if you're on Twitter or Facebook, to come and join our survivorship group that matt's talking about there are some amazing people that really care and are supportive and i am proud to be your friend and be a part of that network
0: thanks for listening to beyond your past part of the mental health news radio network information shared on this podcast should not be considered as a substitute for professional medical help or mental health counseling if you've ever considered working with a certified coach Or if you simply have questions about how working with a coach can benefit you, just head on over to beyondyourpast.com for more information and to schedule your free introductory session. We'll work together to figure out what's holding you back so that you can realize your full potential and discover the authentic you. Remember, you are worth it. Achieving your goals and waking up each day knowing that you can handle what's coming and thrive is something that everyone deserves. So take that first step and contact me today and let's do this. Talk to you soon.